Hi and welcome to the 5-Minute Business Boost, where you get to choose your 5-Minute Investment. I'm your host Sam Hicks and I'll be discussing topics under the headings of business development, marketing, photography and more. Today it's about more and it will be a long one, I do apologise, but today I'm chatting away about Victorian associations in action. So these are my top 10 tips for running a community-based organisation. In the vibrant tapestry of Victoria's community fabric, associations play a pivotal role in fostering social connections, advocating for shared interests and driving positive change in community development. According to Business Victoria, an incorporated association is a registered legal entity that's usually established for recreational, cultural, charitable purposes. Ourcommunity.com.au further explains that as a system of state government or territorial registration that gives an association or community groups a certain legal advantage in return for accepting certain legal responsibilities. So this being an incorporated association would receive recognition as a legal entity separate from its members and can offer protection for office holders from any debts or liabilities incurred by the group if the association doesn't make a profit for its members. Now, what is interesting, when I googled and started putting together this episode, I tried to find out who the first association was. Now, it's not really mentioned clearly on Google, but I did work out in May 1877, the Victorian Football Association, the VFA, was created to manage football in Victoria after clubs such as Melbourne, Melbourne University, Geelong, Castlemaine were formed in and around 1859. And because it was such a sports-loving group here in Australia, Rowing Victoria, Inc., which was formerly the Victorian Rowing Association, seems to be the oldest rowing association in the world. It was formed in 1876 to run the Melbourne Regatta. So, I think we've had the first run associations here in Australia since the 1800s, which is pretty cool. I personally have been involved in associations or not-for-profits since I was 18. Do not do the maths. So... My experience spans from early education centres, neighbourhood houses, adult education, historic mechanics institutes, which notably emerged in 1893 to cultivate learnings in literature, science and art. But I digress slightly. The other associations I've been involved in are tourism, arts, aquatics and food and wine business groups. So this has been both at a localised, regional, state and federal level. And I must say, I am a bit of a committee junkie. You can get so much done with the right committee, especially if the community has a common goal that they want to achieve. I tend to stay with groups that are dynamic and have great committee members who are skills-based or have different perspectives and ideas. I've seen my fair share of idiots and people behaving badly and trusted committees bring out sometimes the worst. And it's my observations from many, 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 many years being on committees, working for committees and working with committees to sort out issues. And it's my observations that make up most of the tips in this episode. But don't get me wrong, I've made mistakes and I've been involved in a fair share of committees that were difficult, sometimes troublesome, mainly because of egos and or committee members who were only there to glean rewards for themselves, not for the betterment of the group or their community. Most people don't understand what a committee is for or what it does. 
So these people are usually called out or moved on, or I moved on. But sometimes it takes a while and it can be very damaging. I've also found some great friends being on subcommittees, working on tasks or events without the big picture worries of the full committee level. And that's always an option to give back to your community by being on a subcommittee. However, navigating the complexities of managing an association from attracting and retaining passionate committee members to achieving clear goals and objectives can be a daunting task. This episode delves into the intricacies, can't even say it, of association management providing some practical strategies and insights to empower your associations to thrive and excel. As you embark on this journey, maybe you're new to your local group, remember you are there to embrace a spirit of collaboration and innovation that underpins the success of Victorian associations. Just think of the first country women's association, the CWA. Have you heard of this power group? Their first group was established in 1922 up north in New South Wales. They had great growth and by the 1930s they were national. The association sought and still to this day seeks to improve the lives of women and children in regional rural areas. Some report it's the most influential women's organisation in New South Wales, if not nationally, in the 20th century. And I argue, and still is. According to Netball Victoria, there are more than 38,000 incorporated associations in Victoria. Holy moly, that's a lot. So if you're on a committee, you are amongst some of the best movers and shakers in Victoria. I've enjoyed my time on committees. Anywho, let's get into it. So by drawing on those who became before us and rest assured in small rural areas, it's usually STP or the STP principle, which is the same 10 people, you need to gather up the collective wisdom and expertise of past and fellow fellow committee members and inspirational community members who've taken on leadership roles, where it be in, you know, community leadership roles or business leadership roles. There's a lot of brains trust floating around in your small community. If you're clever and if you take your time and you're polite and respectful, you can harness that power of shared knowledge and you can overcome challenges and achieve remarkable outcomes for your association. Just ask for advice from a variety of people to make informed decisions. So let's see if I can inspire you today to aim for a new height of community impact, fostering a stronger, more resilient and interconnected community for a common goal. Sounds like a pretty big statement, doesn't it? Anyway, however, with any advice given, whether it be from a personal place or a professional place, I've got a bit of a disclaimer. So before I nominate my favourite top tips, please bear in mind, your association, model rules or constitution is your rule book. All committee members should have a copy of it. You should also be aware of your compliance, government and governance and any responsibilities to Consumer Victoria, sorry, Consumer Affairs Victoria or CAV for short. This also includes any of your, all of your stakeholders and your members. So make sure you're aware of what your responsibilities are. So let's get into my favourite top 10. The first one is number one, of course, set clear goals and objectives at the AGM for the following year. Now, this is given that you're an association that runs from year to year. Some run from, I think, end of financial year to end of financial years. Others run from January to December, and then they have to put their reporting cycles in. So each association is different. So 
In setting clear goals and objectives, you need to keep it simple and specific. Make sure they're achievable and measurable. Ever heard of that SMART acronym? We use it in business, but it's great for committees too. It avoids burnouts. Remember, you're all volunteers. And once you've decided on these goals and objectives, you need to communicate these to your members if you are a membership-based association, which most are. Number two, to attract new committee members. Now, if I had a gold coin each time I heard this, I'd be on some boat in the Maldives not doing much. So, in my opinion, and it's only my opinion, there's probably people out there that are far more educated in associations than I am, but I think there are two ways to attract new committee members, the formal way and the informal way. So the formal way is really just about advertising on social media, community pages and volunteer organisation notice boards or your website. The informal way is to talk to people in your, communi- your community, and this is almost like headhunting, nominating a couple of people and going and giving them a very quiet tap on the shoulder or a nudge to consider being part of your team. So let's break this down a little bit more. Formal approach. So this is about leveraging the power of social media and your organisation's website to reach a wider audience. You might even have to run a small paid campaign. Craft engaging posts that highlight the benefits of joining the committee, maybe the current committee and some of their achievements. Emphasising the opportunities for personal and professional growth, community impact and the networking opportunities. Utilise social media platforms like LinkedIn and Facebook to target potential candidates with relevant skills and interests. Additionally, create a dedicated page on your website that outlines the committee's responsibilities, expectations and if you've got an application process, that would be good. Some committees need working with children, they need all types of certifications or um, licensing, so just be aware of that. Okay, so the informal approach. Tap into your network of existing members or committee, your volunteers and community contacts. Why you do this, this is to identify potential committee members or future committee members, engaging personal conversations, expressing your organisation's need for skilled and passionate individuals to contribute to its mission, attend local events and gathering to connect with potential candidates and discuss those opportunities available on the committee, encourage current members to refer individuals from their own networks who possess the necessary skills and alignment, and this is really important, the alignment with the organisation's values. Remember, attracting new committee members is an ongoing process that requires consistent effort and engagement. By utilising both formal and informal approaches, you can effectively expand your pool of potential candidates and identify individuals who are passionate about contributing to your organisation's success. Two, don't forget to consider your target audience and make your message casual, professional, inviting and inclusive. I know this sounds really broad, but more boards would be at the top end of the professional system of committees. As a small committee in a regional town, you can be professional, but a more casual level. If you're aware of your compliance and governance tasks and you get these done, you can make it fun. And yes, this is linked to succession planning. Succession planning is that other great big um, pie in the sky that 
associations need to look at. It's crucial for your group to ensure continuity and stability in your leadership. By identifying and developing potential successes, associations can mitigate the risks associated with unexpected departures and ensure they have the right people in place to lead the organisation into the future. This proactive approach allows associations to maintain their momentum and achieve their long-term goals. So that's why sometimes in some associations you'll see assistant treasurers, assistant secretaries. That could be perceived as the next treasurer or the next secretary. Number three, use subcommittees to delegate tasks. This is a great way to get more people involved in the work of the association. It could also lead to new committee members being identified or coming forward at the next AGM. Utilising subcommittees to distribute tasks is an effective strategy for increasing participation and identifying potential committee members. By establishing subcommittees focused on specific areas of responsibility, you can engage more individuals in the organisation's work and foster a sense of ownership amongst members. This delegation not only alleviates the workload for the main committee, but provides a platform for individuals to showcase their talents and demonstrate their leadership potential. As a subcommittee gains experience and contribute meaningfully, they may emerge as a strong candidate for future committee positions. This approach not only enhances the organisation's overall capacity, but also cultivates a pipeline of future leaders. Now, that's not to mean that you run out and set up a hundred subcommittees. Just for one or two, a small task that the committee can then view the results and ratify. To be successful with subcommittees, have a great terms of reference or TOR set up with a level of authority. Try to make them as autonomous as you can. Make sure they have one or two contacts at the committee level or have a committee member on the subcommittee level to ensure great working relationships and communication because it's got to be effective. Anyway, that was a lot on subcommittees, but they are a great way to have that interaction without the level of responsibility. Number four, have a clear workflow for meetings. Send out the agenda one week in advance. Stick to that agenda as much as possible. This can be a challenge, but it needs to be the meeting chair's responsibility and really to the committees. Get reports out to the committee members in advance if you can, so that they can read it at home and they can be prepared in the meeting just to work through any proposed motions or discussions that need to be had to ratify things. Limit the time for the meeting. Nothing worse than a meeting dragging out for hours. Post-COVID, the best meetings are no longer than 1.5 hours. We're all busy. My favourite are the one-hour meetings, short, sharp and snappy and online, so you don't even have to drive. Number five, consider the skill sets and regions of your members when recruiting new committee members. If you are a statewide organisation, you should have representation from all over Victoria. Make sure you have an onboarding process for those new members as well. So diversifying your committee's skill set and geographical representation is crucial for effective decision making and ensuring the organisation's relevance is across Victoria. When recruiting new members, consider their diverse backgrounds, expertise and perspectives. Now this 
this applies if you're working with a local committee as well. So don't worry that, oh, no, they're going to be so much bigger and they're across Victoria. You know, we're just a little small community in a uh, committee in a small community town. Same thing. Try to look for diversity. This inclusivity will broaden the committee's understanding of the organisation's impact on various regions and communities within Victoria. So we're back to the statewide one now. Additionally, establish a comprehensive onboarding process. Now, this doesn't have to be laborious. It can be as simple as a just a 10-page PowerPoint presentation that has a lot of information about your history, goals and procedures. It could be almost, almost called a welcome pack. So this seamless transition will empower new members to contribute effectively from the start. Number six. So by having a clear goal and objectives for your committee, this can help you attract the right people to committee. It can also help you stay on track and achieve your goals. Now, as I mentioned before, establishing those clear goals and objectives for your committee is essential. Number one, by achieving what you want to do for the next 12 months is a strategic move to ensure development. But number two, it can be used to attract the right individuals. By defining specific and measurable objectives, you can effectively communicate your vision and attract committee members who will align with your goals. This clarity also serves as a bit of a roadmap. Keeps the committee focused on achieving the set objectives without getting distracted by unnecessary tasks or ideas. You've got to have that clear purpose and direction so that your team can work cohesively and effectively towards achieving the organisation's overall mission. Number seven, use Consumer Affairs Victoria's resources. So this is CAV. They have a wealth of information on their website that can help you run your association. Not-for-profit law is another awesome resource and they have lots of information and even better, they have templates. So make sure you reach out to association-based resource groups across Victoria and there will be millions. They're my top two favourites. Number eight, make sure you're compliant with the new regulations regarding incorporated associations. Now, I put this one in here because these regulations came into effect on 1st of July this year and there is also newer regulations that have come in on the 18th of November. So a couple of dates there. But the key changes include update language to support the flexible use of technology, new processes for disciplinary appeals and changes to grievance procedures regarding mediation. There's also, in some instances, stronger disclosure requirements for conflicts of interest and changes to revenue thresholds for finance financial reporting tiers. So you can find more information about it on the Consumer Affairs Victoria website and I've actually put a link into the um, the notes at the bottom of this episode. Alrighty, so that one, you've got to make sure that you're compliant, you've got to make sure that you're understanding the changes. So I think that's what number eight is about in a nutshell. We don't get changes to the association rules and regulations and law um, often, but when we do, you need to discuss sit up, take notice and see if it applies to your group. Number nine, communicate regularly with your members. You need to keep them informed about what's happening with the association. Might be a newsletter, might be a private Facebook group. However you do it, just keep that communication happening. 
get their feedback on your work and network and use surveys to seek feedback or future direction. That's one of my favourite things to do is actually to say to people, oh, you're paying your membership. What do you actually want to see happen? What is your pain point at the moment? You know, if our group is advocating, you know, what can we do to make your pain point lesser? So make sure you keep up that communication with your members and your community members too. A lot of community um, groups I know communicate now through WhatsApp or Messenger to keep in contact and it's great. Number 10, celebrate your successes and most importantly, take the time to recognise the achievements of your members and your volunteers. Now, I know most of that will be your volunteers on your committee, your subcommittees, but at the end of the day, you're all volunteers, so don't forget to celebrate their achievements. And this is crucial because it actually fosters a positive and motivated team atmosphere. Volunteer Week provides an excellent platform or opportunity to public acknowledge and appreciate their contributions. By organising special events, offering a personalised thank you note, even a certificate or an engraved mug, anything really, Just by doing those simple expressions of gratitude during meetings or special events, you demonstrate the value placed on their dedication. Recognising their efforts not only boosts morale, but it also encourages continued involvement and can attract new members to join the organisation's mission. You want to be a happy team. Okay, so five additional thoughts. You need to build a strong team. Surround yourself with people who share your passion for the mission. You know, if you're not strong in figures, get a couple of people on the committee that are good with figures. You know, if you're not good in marketing, same. Seek out somebody who has a love of marketing or promotional advertising. Be creative. There are many ways to run an association. Don't be afraid to try, be afraid to try new things. Meet online. Meet over a meal or in a park or a community meeting room. Shake it up a bit. Some of the best meetings I've been to have been at barbecues where, you know, we've had a bit of a chat before the meeting, get into the meeting, smash things out, and then, you know, we put our feet up and chat about our lives and there's great community connection that way. Be flexible. Things don't always go to according to plan. Make sure you've got a backup plan. But prepare to be adaptable and change your plans if needed. Be passionate. Your passion will be contagious and will inspire others to get involved. And have fun. Running an association should be enjoyable. Make sure you take the time to enjoy the experience. So, as I said, it's a long one today. I am sorry. But hopefully it's inspiring you to get out there and give your association community commitment a bit of a shake-up. And I suppose remind us all why we do this, because it's really just about developing, progressing and improving our community and ourselves. Great way to be involved in your community. So thanks for listening to the 5-Minute Business Boost. For more information, follow me on social media, sign up for my newsletter or check out my website to learn how we can work together to reach your small business goals. Remember, anything is possible, especially in the northeast of Victoria. Until next time, cheerio.